0: Turn, if you would, this morning to the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. And, Lord, it is a good reminder that no matter how far a person may stray in their walk with you, you do desire for that relationship to be restored. You desire for that relationship to be made right. And so I thank you for the message and song that we just heard, and I pray that as we make our way through the text today that you would help it to speak to hearts, God, that we would be encouraged and we would be challenged by what uh, the Apostle John wrote some 2,000 years ago. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been several weeks now that we've been in this study of John's letter to believers. And uh, for the last few weeks, or last two weeks, we've been here in chapter 3, verse number 1, where John made this statement, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Then he said, Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. And so in that first message that we preached, or that I preached from verse number 1, I talked about how John reminded us of the special relationship that we have with God because of his amazing love. To think that we can be called the sons of God or the children of God truly is an amazing thing. There is nothing better than that that we could have in our lives. But then he went on to say, as we looked at last week, That as Christ was on this earth, the world did not know him or the world did not understand him. And, And the reason that they did not understand Christ was not because they didn't understand him as a person, but they didn't understand him because of his position. Everything that Christ stood for, everything that Christ proclaimed, everything that Christ advocated went against the traditional thinking of their culture. And so the world did not understand him. He did not make sense to them. And what John was saying to the believers 2,000 years ago was this, that if you're living the Christian life, the world will not understand you either. If you are living according to truth, if you're walking in the light as you're supposed to, then this world is not going to understand you. And, And the world should not understand us as believers today. They should look at our position, they should look at how we approach life, and we should not make any sense to them. And the challenge I tried to give us last week was this, is that far too often, the so-called believer makes far too much sense to the world. We are, we are so easily understood, and what that means is, is our position and our mindset and our philosophy and our approach to life oftentimes looks just like the world's and that is a problem. It should be that there is a vast distinction between who we are and who the world is that they cannot understand us. So that in mind, I'm going to begin with a thought and taking just a moment to see if there are man, are you coming in? You don't need to turn around people. I'm just, <laughs> just, they were peering through the window. So I wanted to make sure what they were doing. Uh, I want to begin this morning by making a statement that I think would apply to most of us, but maybe not to everyone, and then I'm going to say a couple of other things that might seem a little odd, but I promise you they're not going to be as odd as they may sound in the beginning. So the statement that I want to begin with this morning is, I have been blessed by God with good health and good strength. From a physical standpoint, I feel like I am in a good spot. I don't have physical ailments. I don't have physical issues. God has given me strength. Now, again, that's a testimony that I think most of you could make, that most of you could declare that God has been good to you physically and that you are in a good spot physically. Now, that being the case, I think this is true of all of us to some extent, whether or not we want to admit it, and that is every one of us have a measure of vanity about ourselves. Now, I understand the degree of vanity may vary. Some may suggest, oh I don't have any vanity about me. Well I think I could prove you're wrong, but nonetheless, let's just operate from this assumption that all of us have a measure of vanity about us, which means among other things, there are elements about our physical appearance that we care about. Would you agree with that? There are elements of your physical appearance as there are elements of my physical appearance that we care about. And sometimes because of our vanity, we can see everything that is wrong with our appearance. And sometimes we're our own worst critic. What do I mean whenever I say this? Well, I'm just going to use myself as an example that will keep me from getting beat up after church. But as I look at myself, here's some things that I see that I don't like. I don't like the bald spot that's now presenting itself on the back of my head. I know I've touched on this recently, but because of the cowlick that I have on the top of my head, I always have to look with the mirror into a mirror to make sure the cowlick is laying like it's supposed to. And, and every time I do that, I'm reminded it's getting thin up there and it won't be long. I don't like it. My brother made sure growing up that I knew my ears stick out and they're different sizes. He was determined to make sure I knew that. Now, if he had not pointed that out, I don't know if I would have ever caught on to it, but since he was there to help me, I've known it for a long time. So every once in a while, I'm standing there looking in the mirror saying, yep, he's right. They stick out, and they're different sizes. Thank you, Eric. And then every once in a while, I'll see a picture of myself where I'm smiling. And I'm thinking, why didn't you get the braces like your parents wanted to give you? Your teeth could be straight. Your teeth could be normal. Your teeth could look like they're supposed to look. Why didn't you just do that? Now, think about this. That, that's only from the chin up. I'm disappointed in my bald spot. I'm disappointed in my ears. I'm disappointed in my teeth. And if I just wanted to be very personal and take a lot of time today, I, I could tell you everything else that I perceive to be wrong with my body. I don't look at myself and think, now, there is the perfect example of what a man is supposed to look like. I can see all of my faults and all of my flaws. I've just given you three of them today. Answer this question. Because of your vanity, can you look in the mirror and see anything that you'd like to change? Or do you look in the mirror and you're kind of like the fawns? See, most of us see our faults and our flaws and our imperfections, and we don't like it. Maybe we've got good health. Maybe we've got good strength. Maybe we're in a good spot as it relates to that. But I'd sure like for that to be different. So one more question and then we'll move on. If I told you right now that in the morning you were going to wake up and all of your flaws were going to be corrected, would you be excited? If everything you perceive about yourself to be wrong, it was all going to be made right tomorrow, would you be looking forward to tomorrow? Probably so you might be up at 11.59 thinking to yourself, is it at midnight? Do I have to wait till 6 in the morning? But you'd be excited about the transformation that was going to take place. Now as we think on that, go back to verse number 1 for just a moment. John said, Behold what manner of love the Father, hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Think about that measure of love. Think about the magnificence and the magnitude of the love of God that we should be called the sons of God. Then he says in verse number 2, Behold, now are we the sons of God. Behold, now are we the sons of God. I want us to think about this. John says right now, present tense, because of the love of God, we are the sons of God. This is not some future tense truth. This is a present tense truth. If you and I are saved, if you and I are a recipient of the grace of God, then right now we are the sons of God. And friends, there is no better position a person could find themselves in than that. To be able to say that I am a son of God, for you to be able to say that you are a child of God, there is no better position for you to find yourself in. We may be poor. We may have nothing by way of possessions. We may not be educated. There may be a lot of strikes against us. But if you and I are able to say that we are the children of God, there is no greater declaration than that that can be made. So think about this for a moment. If you're saved, you are a child of God. You're a child of God, not in the future, not someday down the road. Right now, you are a child of God. Now, as wonderful as that truth is, We all understand this reality that we still live in a fallen world and we still occupy sinful bodies. So I'm a child of God and you're a child of God if you are saved. But this world is fallen. I'm trapped inside a fallen body with a sinful nature. And so here's what that means. I still sin. And you still sin. And I don't know about you, but sometimes whenever I look at myself in the mirror of Scripture, so to speak, I see what are some of my most glaring flaws. And some of my most glaring faults and shortcomings. I want to illustrate this this morning because of where the message is headed. Again, just using myself as an example because that is safest. But I was thinking about the reality that while I am a child of God, I am still trapped inside this sinful body amongst a sinful fallen culture. And here is something that I see to be a perpetual problem in my life. I lack patience. I don't know if you heard that or not. I said, I lack patience. Now, I'm not asking you to to, to reply to that robustly. I I just want to make sure that you heard that. I lack patience. What, What does that mean? It means this. I struggle being patient with people. And I don't mean just kind of. It's a serious problem with me. I put together this sermon on Thursday, like I always do the Sunday morning sermons, and it was like the Lord said, Okay, Kyle, you put that truth on paper. Now we're going to let you deal with this a little bit. I was on my way home for lunch, and somebody did something in a car, and I got mad. I just did because I wasn't patient. I got home for lunch and Susie did something that I thought was a little silly and it kind of irritated me. Now, I wasn't rude and hateful to her, but I realized immediately I wasn't very patient with her. After lunch, I went to get my car washed through the electric car wash and so helped me. A lady had car problems while in front of me, so she was in front and I had a car behind me. I couldn't get out, and I sat there in line for about 15 minutes. And you know what I was struggling with the entire time? My patience. I was mad at a driver. I got irritated with Susie. And then this individual in the car wash, just put it in neutral woman and let it go. I went so far as to take a picture of her from the back just to maybe humiliate her later and then I thought, I don't think the Lord's in that. But my point is all that went through my mind and I even acted upon some of it to an extent. Why? Because that is my failure or one of them kind of like my ears sticking out. I know this, that I'm a man who lacks compassion. I, I, I just, I almost have no compassion at times. I mean, I'm sorry you're going through a hard time, but I, I don't know how to fix it. So, I mean, what do you want me to do about it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's rough. I mean, that, that stinks for you. It's not affecting me. I don't have compassion like I should. I find myself struggling with my thoughts on a regular basis. Sometimes I'm anxious and therefore I worry. Sometimes it's thoughts of lust. Lust. Things that I ought not be thinking about. I just did some inventory this week of my own life, my, my own personal individual, my, my own being. And here's what I realized. Yes, I'm a child of God. It's not some future tense relationship that I'll have. It's something that I've got right now. But, but right now, here's what I see in my own life I've got some serious faults and some serious flaws and and, and and it's just it's not pretty, it's ugly. What I really am sometimes. Could I ask you to do something this morning that might be a little uncomfortable for you, but it's probably helpful? Do you have any spiritual deficiencies in your life that if you'd be honest, you'd have to say, man, that's ugly? You may not be impatient. You may not lack compassion. You may not struggle with your thoughts. But is there anything in your spiritual life where you'd have to say, man, that seems to be a reoccurring problem? Seems like I'm constantly wrestling with that. It seems like I'm constantly failing in that and and struggling with that. Do you have any of those things? Or, Or when you look at yourself in the mirror, do you think to yourself, now that's what the Christian's supposed to look like? I think most of us, if we were honest, would have to admit that sometimes we look in the mirror, spiritually speaking, and we'd have to say, man, that's ugly. I don't like what I'm seeing. Someone says, I agree with all that and I understand it, but what's that got to do with the text? So notice what John went on to say after he said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. He said, And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him For we shall see him as he is. Now, in verse number two, here is what John writes of again. He speaks of the appearance of Jesus Christ. It's something he wrote about in what we call chapter 2. So, so this is an ongoing theme that, that John is dealing with, that Christ is going to return someday. And here is what John said in the last part of verse number 2, that we shall see him as he is. That is a promise that is made to the child of God that one day Christ is going to return and we are going to see Christ and we are going to behold him for everything that he is. Now that's something that our minds cannot comprehend. See, you and I, we have a little bit of an understanding as to who God is from the scripture. And and we know that the Holy Spirit gives us a little bit of insight as to who God is. But for us to, to, to suggest that we have really any understanding of who God is in his entirety, there's simply no way. We can talk about the love of God, this side of heaven, but we don't really understand the love of God. We can talk about the grace of God, this side of heaven, but we don't really understand the grace of God. We can talk about the mercy of God. We can talk about the the purity of God. We can talk about the perfection of God, all these different things. And, And it's good for us to do so, but we have little, tiny, finite minds. And we're talking about an infinite God. We have no understanding of who He is, really. But John said that there is coming a day when He shall appear, that we shall see Him as He is. There is coming a day for me and for you, if you're saved, There is coming a day when we will see all the love of God, all the grace of God, all the mercy of God, all the purity and perfection of God. We are going to see him as he is. And I think that's why we'll fall on our faces before him and say something like this, holy, holy, holy. When we stand in the presence of God for the first time, I don't think we'll do much standing very long. I think we'll be on our faces recognizing who God is for the first time ever. So that's a wonderful truth and it's a wonderful promise. But here is what John also said. While we will see him as he is, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. When Christ returns to this earth, whenever we stand before the Lord, here is what John said. When he appears, we shall be like him. We are going to take on the image and the nature and the character of our Savior. Whenever I stand before God, whenever I stand in His presence, whenever you stand before God and stand in His presence, here's what's going to happen to every one of us. We are going to be just like Him. We'll take on his character. We'll take on his nature, which means this we will take on sinless perfection, sinless existence. You realize what that means? It means every ugly fault and flaw and besetting sin is going to be stripped away from us for the first and last time. Whenever I stand in the presence of the Lord, that will be the last time that I will ever be impatient with anything. Now that may not mean much to you, but I'm just saying to me that means a whole lot. That will be the last time that I'm ever irritated, frustrated, upset because someone else didn't meet my expectations. That ugly, sinful tendency of mine is going to be gone. Done away with forever. When I stand in the presence of God and I'm like Him. That'll be the last time I have ever struggled with compassion. I'll have final victory. Whenever I stand in the presence of God in that moment, here is what it means, I will never wrestle with my thoughts again. no worry, no anxiety, no lust, whatever it is that might be running through my mind, it will never plague me again. That excites me. Because I get tired of it sometimes. And like I said, I don't know what your problem would be. I don't know what your issue would be. I don't know what sin would come to your mind. But think about it for just a moment. As a child of God, when you stand before the Lord, that will be the last time you ever wrestle with it. That will be the last time you ever struggle with it. So whatever you would say is your sin, whatever you would say is your struggle, it will will be over the moment he appears and I like what John said there in verse number two he said and it doth not yet appear what we shall be or what we shall be you know what John is saying he is saying this we really can't even comprehend what that's going to be like For me to say one day I'll never be impatient again, I get the idea conceptually, but I don't really understand it by way of reality. To say I'll have perfect compassion or I'll never struggle with not having compassion, I understand the principle or the idea of it, but to to understand it in its real form, I don't grasp it. And so here is John saying, listen, you're in a good spot by by way of being a child of God. You are in a good position, yet every one of us have these faults and and these flaws and these sins and these failures and these shortcomings, and, and they plague us and they're ugly, and we're aware of them and we're mindful of them and we don't like them. And John says, Yes, it's a part of who we are, but there is coming a day when He will appear that we're going to see Christ like He really is, and in that moment we will be like Him and we are going to shed all of the struggles and the failures and the sins that have plagued us for so long. Can I just tell you this, and I know that you know it, but maybe the reminder's good. That's better news than finding out you'd wake up skinny in the morning. That's better news than waking up in the morning, knowing that you'd wake up in the morning with the right-sized ears and straight teeth. I'm going to wake up one day and all of my sins will be in the past. I'm going to wake up one day and all of my struggles are going to be done, finished, over. I'll not have to wrestle with those again. Friends, that's some wonderful news. And it's good news for you. It's exciting news for you, but there's a little bit more that I want us to see, and we'll just be here for a moment. So, notice what John went on to say in verse number three. He said, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. He said, Now, everyone that hath This hope. What is hope talking about? Well, it's talking about a sense of confidence in something. It's talking about a sense of confidence in something. And so what John is saying is, if you have this hope, if you have this confidence that Christ is going to one day appear, we will see him as he is, and we are going to be like him, even though we can't fully understand it. If we have this hope and confidence in us... Here is what we do. We purify ourselves even as he is pure. What does it mean to purify himself? What does it mean for us to purify ourselves? Well, it means this. We're going to try to to put forth the effort to eliminate and get rid of sin in our lives because we don't want to just wait for that moment to get victory over sin. We want as much as possible to get victory this side of heaven before we stand in his presence. See, I can't look at my spiritual life and say, well, you know, I'm just prone to be impatient, so so I, I guess that's just what I'll always be until I get to heaven. No, that's not the attitude that I can take. The attitude that I have to take is this. Yes, that is my struggle, and yes, that's one of my shortcomings, and yes, it'll all one day be rectified and corrected permanently and completely, but until then, I've got to keep working on it and addressing it because it's still sin that needs to be dealt with in my life. look at my lack of compassion or whatever it is I, 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 I can look at and, and see in my life. And here's what I've got to say. Yes, one day it'll all be taken care of. Yes, it'll all one day be addressed. But today, so long as I'm on this earth, I have to keep working on this. This is not freedom for me to just embrace whatever the sin is and, and just say, well, it's who I am. And so in light of that, whatever your sin would be, whatever your struggle would be, whatever your your perpetual shortcoming is, you know what you're required to keep doing as a child of God? You're required to keep addressing it. And to keep working on it. And to keep asking God to help you. Because our Savior, who is pure, that's what we're supposed to model and, and pursue in our own personal lives. And so whatever your sin is, we can't just slough it off and say, well, you know, I've been working on it for years, and God's just going to have to take care of that when I get to heaven. No, we, we've got to keep working on it. I have no idea what that sin struggle may be for you but you've got to keep working on it. You've got to keep asking for God's grace and God's help and, and God's victory in that because it's expected of us as children of God. So while we continue to address the sin, while we continue to try to get victory over it, remember this. There's coming a day He will appear And everything you're wrestling with right now, everything that seems to plague you, it will be done and victory will be had once and for all. And at least from my perspective, and I think for many of you, that is some wonderful news that we can rejoice in, that we can celebrate over, and we might even say every once in a while, thank you, Lord, for the ultimate victory that will one day be mine. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this this morning. God, I'm asking you to encourage us because some may feel like it's just a never-ending battle where there's never going to be victory. I pray that you'd remind us today that there is victory ahead. Lord, while we're encouraged by that, maybe a little bit excited by that, I pray that you'd help us to also have a spirit of determination to continue working on these areas. Because you are pure, we need to continue purifying ourselves with your help. I pray that you'd bless the invitation However, people need to respond that they'd be willing to. In Jesus' name, amen.